Rob sounds like a girl. Welcome to Robots Rise, episode 11. We don't have Rob today because um, he's working. So we're joined by uh, the lovely Hannah, who's actually my girlfriend. Say hello. Hello. This is Hannah. She, she did our logo um, and uh, I suppose it was payment because I'm a cheapskate. I, uh, she sort of said, can I do an episode? Yeah, do it. And um, she's picked an epic one today which we're going to cover in a bit. But before we get to that, um, we've got a, a few shout-outs. Um, who have we shout-outs for? Oh, we've got one shout-out for Maria. Hello, Maria, again. Rob Collins, Bobby in America, word. Um, Hannah, Robin, James, Paul, Laura Gonzalez, Jenny Vale Onslow. Thanks for coming aboard. It's nice to see you or speak to you or hear you or whatever. Uh, we've got um, Alex Wright. What up, dude? James Crywood. Todd Sterling Young, what a fantastic name, Todd Sterling Young. I think I don't know where I'm not sure where he's from, but um, yeah, thanks for the um, the continued downloads, people. Um, we're getting some some good results this week, good uh, good numbers um, and downloads in Afghanistan. Yeah, maybe troops. Yeah, I think probably Board. some some bored squaddies over there. Stickers available. Get involved, free of charge. We'll send them out. Uh, and we're going to crack on with the show. Um, right, this one is a, it's a good one. It's a crazy one. I don't think you really... You know about it, but you don't know too... You, you know the film. It's The Mothman. What do you know about it, Hannah? Well, like you say, I only really know what's happened through what I saw in the film that was with a Hollywood film that was made. So, with all Hollywood films, I'm assuming it's not really that close to the real story and nowhere near as in-depth. Well, it's it's sort it's not too far off, but it's embellished uh, for the purpose of the screen, I would imagine. Um, but this this is an extremely odd case, which involves probably thousands of people, um, and it began, or I say reportedly, it reportedly began on the fifteenth of November, nineteen sixty six, and ran through for thirteen months to the fifteenth of December 1967, uh, the town of Point Pleasant in West Virginia was subjected to a series of extremely strange, frightening and bizarre sightings of a seemingly huge, intelligent winged thing with massive glowing red eyes, along with a, giant, the, along with a uh, giant unknown entity flying around freaking people out. Residents also reported seeing odd things in the sky, Strange noises, phones behaved in ways that can't be explained, weird odd people interacted with the townsfolk. All of these odd events stopped abruptly 13 months to the day from when they started with the destruction of the Silver Bridge, which connects Point Pleasant to Ohio via the Ohio River. Uh, the collapse killed 46 people, two of which were never found. You didn't know that. Gone forever, never found. Uh, there were many Christmas shoppers killed. Uh, people reported seeing Christmas gifts floating down the river amongst the wreckage of the bridge and the cars. The entire 13-month ordeal gained countrywide news attention. Um, and after the bridge collapsed, the Mothman was never seen again in Point Pleasant. Nothing weird happened after that. 13, an odd number. Uh, because the sighting stopped 13 months to the day, after it started, there's a lot of superstition or bad luck associated with the number 13, as we all know. For example, uh, Friday the 13th is widely thought of as an unlucky number, an unlucky day. Apollo 13 took off literally at 13.13, 13, 
and it also suffered its mission-ending explosion on the 13th of April, 1970. I didn't know that. Exactly. Some hotels don't have a 13th floor or a room 13. Obviously, you get the idea. 13's a bad number. Was it connected? Well, we'll get into it in a bit. It seems the Mothman, or whatever it was, may have been trying to warn us of a bridge disaster 13 months in advance. I mean, admittedly, in a quite a peculiar way. Um, it also, if that is the case, would indicate that whatever it is, isn't bound by time the same way that we are, because how, how could it possibly know events a year into the fu- over a year into the future? Non-linear. It's non- time is non-linear, but there's a lot of strange theories. Uh, that's one. It's a bit odd, but we'll, uh, we'll get into more later on. I mean, I suppose it could have it caused the bridge to collapse if it was lurking around and then a bridge collapse. Well, I mean, my you know my knowledge of it up to this point was was that he it was al- almost a precognition Could of be. an event that was going to happen, and you know maybe he was there to help. It could be hinder. Yeah, it could it could be it could be. Although having said that, lots of people did die. So whether he did help, maybe I don't know. Well, throughout throughout the whole of the what we'll go through this, not really any evidence other than the bridge which can't really be pinned down to whatever this thing was there's there's nothing to indicate or show that it actually hurt people it didn't it no nobody was actually sort of well nobody was intentionally injured people had side effects from being in close proximity to whatever this thing is but it didn't attack anyone it freaked them out proper i mean there's some disturbing encounters i mean what did people did some of them commit suicide was that no nope. thing no 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 no, no. Might, I, I, I can't even remember the uh the details of the film too I think much there was i think again this may have been just to you know embellish. embellish the film but i'm pretty sure someone ended up committing suicide because in the film being so freaked out by seeing this moth man you know, character, oh, character by the way, or whatever it might be, entity. It's not a moth, by the way, in okay, case so if you no, don't know anything about a, it. It's just a hooded, cloaked figure. Well, not even that. figure. Yeah, it, it's sort of... I think the name Mothman came from... Uh, I think at the time, Batman was quite popular, and Batman... He looks... Being, he looks that you is know, the wings, isn't it? He looked moth-shaped. He looked moth-shaped. Okay, well, we'll go, we'll go into the first sighting. The first sighting occurred on the 12th of November... 1966. It's a brief sighting, but it's an indication of what was to come. Uh, basically, five men were digging a grave in a cemetery, and they saw something they described as being a brown human that flew from some nearby trees towards them and over their head. As I said before, the sighting occurs, the main bulk of the sightings occurred between the 15th of November 1966 and the 15th of December 1967, 13 months exactly. This, as I said before, was on the 12th of November, which puts it slightly out of the 13-month time frame. But it was all of the reported sightings, the official reported sightings, started on the 15th. This one wasn't reported until after. So the it, it, the actual, you know, um, the, 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 the evidence that was backed up through reportings was 13 months of the day. This fell slightly out of it, but wasn't reported until later. Um, so basically, you've got five dudes seeing some strange shit while digging a grave at night. A flying human, apparently. Brown, which is a bit weird. 
Three days later, on the 15th of November, the Mothman was spotted again. This time, up close and personal, two, ne- two teenage couples were driving out near the old TNT plant um, around Point Pleasant. Uh, a lot of high explosives and bombs and stuff were being stored and produced during World War II. So there was like a, a bit of an infrastructure, lots of buildings, and obviously now it's been, what, 1966. Um, it was completely abandoned, and it was a cool place to drive around. You know, there's lots of weird buildings, igloo-shaped buildings, so and abandoned roads. I'd go there. So, yeah, they were basically driving around there. So all four of them, uh, the names were Roger, uh, his girlfriend Linda, Steve, and his girlfriend Mary, they were minding their own business, just cruising around, doing what teenagers do in, dis- in secluded locations, which is important. Uh, so it's about 11.30 at night. And Roger was driving when his partner Linda started freaking out at something outside of the car in the darkness. They all looked and claimed they saw two red circular lights. Not eyes, they claimed it was lights. They described the lights as two inches in diameter and six inches apart. So it's all like that. That's, that's, that's quite a... It's bigger than a head. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a... It's a it, half a foot difference between, like, yeah. spacing. between. It's quite, it's quite big. Um, as they looked, the lights, as they called them, moved in unison away from them. And they said it, at that, it was at that moment when they moved in unison that they realised the lights were, in fact, glowing red eyes attached to something approximately seven foot tall. They say it was shaped like a man with no head. It had two sturdy legs and two huge bat-like wings folded on its back. The eyes were described as being like two car reflectors. Roger claims that the eyes had a hypnotic effect on them, causing all four of them to simply stare. They couldn't take their eyes off it. I said its, its colour was, was greyish, not brown, as reported previously in the, uh, in the graveyard incident. So what do you think that is now? So you've, got, you've, had two, you've had two sightings, something flying massive over some guys in a, in a graveyard. I mean, this all come from nowhere. And, and now you've got these four people who are seeing something seven foot tall with glowing red eyes with no head walking around. What do you think? Is it a bird? Well, I mean, the first sighting, to me, sounds more like it could be attached to some kind of bird. The brown colour, the fact it was flying. You know, there are plenty of big birds that live out in the the US. So, you know, that's more possible. You know, this this sort of glowing red-eyed figure... With Not no reflective, glowing, yeah. Yeah, no, no... I mean, no birds have glowing red eyes and are, I mean, a good foot apart from one another. I mean, that's a huge head if it had a head, but they're saying it didn't, which is, I was always in the impression it did have a head figure. It no. It was a figure with a head. So it's quite interesting. I can't remember that what the film... Uh, it was... I mean, the film depicted it as something just... It was kind of scratchy and black and had red eyes. And, you know, it was very sort of, you know, kind of... can't think of the word to describe it, but definitely figured. It was a figure. You mm-hmm. know, it sort of had some kind had of... Had a familiar head, shape. Had a familiar shape, yes. And... You know, this animal, creature, you know, whatever it might be, was seen outside of Point Pleasant as well. They they made out that he was seen by people close to death and drawing him incessantly on pieces of paper before death. 
before it's a bit old. Well, that that was slightly. I mean, there, there were. Um, that that didn't. I mean, in the research that I found, that didn't happen. But there, it yeah. did encroach in dreams. Apparently, we'll get into that in a bit. I mean, yeah, it was kind of daydreaming. You know, see, seeing this thing before death. So it's almost like it's from from my point of view to sort of it's something that kind of thrives around a lot of death. Possibly. Or, you know that it, it or was a precursor to or it. Or a precursor to death. Yes, and but having heard that sort of account of it and what it looks like, grey. Red eyes, no head, very you know large wings. That sounds more like what I th- would think it would look like, rather than a brown. When you said brown, well, I was like, oh, brown. Well, there's know. there's more to there's obviously there's more to that sighting because obviously they've seen this thing with eyes six inches apart walking around. It didn't have a head, which f- shit them up obviously. So they they basically sped off and, and got got the fuck out of there because. They didn't know what it was. It was it wasn't normal. Um, so they they shot through the uh, the abandoned roads of this TNT explosives area to get to an exit road. Mm. Um, uh, when they got onto the exit road to get the, get out of there, they saw it again. Whether it was the same one or another one exactly like it, we can't tell. But it was standing on a small mound just off the road. And as they passed it, they said it opened its massive wings. This is the first time they've seen it do this. So it opened its wings and then flew straight up into the sky and then leveled off and then shot after them. They said at one point they were going 100 mile an hour and this thing, whatever it was, was flying dead level with the car looking through the windows uh, I find this next detail a bit disturbing. They said the whole time it didn't flap its wings. So it's kind of gliding. Well, not even gliding. It was being propelled in a way that that is not bird-like. It, it's like yeah. I mean, I can, I can, when you know, with the description of that, I can imagine what that would be like. It's speeding alongside them, but not propelling itself with its wings. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's getting energy from somewhere, yeah, and it's not I mean, its wings. It's it's just staying along alongside him the whole time, and it was also it was I mean it was that close. It was looking into the windows and it was screaming at them, apparently, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible that, isn't it? Yeah. A really high pitched scream. They also noted uh, going into the TNT area before shit went bad for them um, that they saw a dead dog by the side of the road, and when they left in a hurry, apparently it had disappeared. This is an important note because we're going to come back to that. Um, but whatever it was, flew alongside the car and followed them all the way to the edge of the city, flying without, flapping its wings, staring in and screaming with glowing red eyes. As they got to the city, it just turned its path and flew straight up, no wings flapping, and just disappeared into the, into the night sky. They went straight to the uh, police station. The sheriff there had known them most of their lives and said that they were being honest and they were proper shitting themselves, basically. Mm. Um, he, he offered to drive with them in a separate car back to the site so they could investigate and see what they could see. Um, when they got there, uh, th- there was nothing there. The sheriff turned on his radio, I'm, I'm assuming, to, to call back to the, uh, to the police station. But as he turned his, his radio on, um, there was a loud signal blasted out he described it like a record or a tape that was being played at high speed. So quite high in pitch. Well, high in pitch, high in speed, just a weird, garbled, unusual signal. And I'm assuming, being as he's 
using radios on a regular basis. He's familiar with what the sounds that they can make or do make in weird instances or, you know, when they're just scrambled or getting interference. This wasn't one of them. It was a, a definite signal which made no sense and was extremely odd. But on about 10.30 on that very same evening, one hour before the teens saw it, uh, there was a fella called Newell Partridge. There's some fantastic names in this. There really are. Newell Partridge was a building contractor who lived in Salem, which is about 90 miles from Point Pleasant. And he was watching his TV when the screen went dark. He reported that there was a, 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 like a weird, eerie pattern that filled the screen. And he heard, again, a loud whining sound. Uh, which raised in pitch. He, he, he sort of said it was like a, a generator firing up, and the pitch went higher and higher and higher, and then stopped. Now, Partridge said um, he went outside to, to investigate, and he'd got a dog called Bandit. Uh, this dog was going nuts. It was going nuts and barking on the front porch, apparently scared. Obviously, it, w- it would be. Uh, Newell grabbed his flashlight to see what was going on. When he got outside, he could see that his dog Bandit was looking at the barn, which is about 150 yards from the house. Partridge shined the flashlight in that direction and, and spotted two red circles that looked like bicycle reflectors. That's what he said, bicycle reflectors. These red circles were not like any animal's eyes he'd ever seen before, and the sight of them frightened him to his core, and he said it was an unusual reaction. It, it wasn't it wasn't something that was fitting with what he saw. I mean, he said he shit himself, and he didn't know why he was so scared mm. from seeing this thing. The ba- bandit, his dog, uh, was, a, was a hunting dog uh, and very protective of his territory, obviously, and it took off and ran across the field in pursuit of these glowing red circles. Newell, sensing that this was a bad situation, tried to stop his dog, but bandit wasn't listening and just bolted, would not be stopped. Partridge turned and went back into his house to get his shotgun. Uh, but he says he he came to his senses and realised that he was too scared to go back out again. Um, and even with his shotgun, knowing his dog was in trouble, he, he just he didn't go out. Um, so he basically waited up for his dog and his dog didn't return. He said that night he slept with a shotgun by his bed and he went out in the morning, checked, dog, gone, nothing there. Um he says one statement he read because he didn't he didn't know of the this the the uh, the encounter that these teenagers had. He read it in the paper, so he hasn't told anybody about this. He just thought it was fucking weird. Mm. He's like, "What the fuck's going on there?" So he said that one statement he read from the account of these teenagers chilled him to the bone. It, Roger Scarberry, one of the members of the group who spotted the strange c- creature at the TNT plant, said, as we said before, as they entered Point Pleasant, they saw a large dog lying by the side of the road. A few minutes later, on the way back out, when they're being chased by this fucking monster thing, the bog was... The, the, the bog? The, do- the, <laughs> the, do- the dog was gone. Um, according, to, according to Roger. They, they apparently even stopped and looked for it. Now, that statement really struck with Partridge because it makes sense that his dog had disappeared an hour before and then these kids see something exactly the same that he saw from a distance... Uh, but yet 90 mile away. Mm. So this is a big distance we're talking here. I mean, you know, the account of the... Wherever these kids were, they've got to be a good fair few miles from the city. This thing chased them for a long... 100 miles an hour. So this this thing can clearly... If it is just a singular entity, can clearly travel large distances very quickly. Yeah, it seems to be. If it's... Not being propelled, if it's not being propelled by its, its wings, as 
as such. It seems not to be, it's yeah. It's being propelled by some other force. It or it isn't it isn't bound by our idea of of how of, how stuff of moves. How, how stuff moves, how you know, forces and how things move around through our atmosphere. Um I think uh it clearly has the facility to move through space and time quite quickly. Well, that the t- time being being uh, an, uh, you know obviously it can move through space without flapping its wings, uh, and time it it may well as we discussed earlier it may well whatever it is well it <laughs> seemed to have the ability to prophesize events which we'll get into. Well, yes. Okay, so now we're familiar with the Mothman. I just jump back a few days to an odd event that occurred on the 2nd of November 1966, just 10 days before the first sighting of the Mothman. A guy going by the amazing name of Woodrow Derenberger. Oh, my goodness. Woodrow Derenberger. Some really good names going on there, isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah. He had a, uh, a very strange encounter. Woodrow was driving home to Mineral Wells, West Virginia. Uh, he was travelling. He was a travelling sewing machine salesman. Uh, or like, you know, repairman type thing. Uh, He says approximately 7.30 that night, Derenberger stated he was driving home alone um, and a vehicle that he described as looking like a kerosene lamp chimney that bulged in the centre and flared at the ends. Whatever the fuck that's describing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what a kerosene lamp looks like. Well, it's uh, I, I would, it's like a ball. Well, no, what, I think what he's describing is like a ball with two sort of flared edges coming off it. Right. Anyway, anyway, whatever it is, we'll have a look, or you have a look, whatever. Uh, but it's got flared ends. Apparently, th- this vehicle was flying six inches above the ground and was approaching his car from behind. So he's he's looking in his in his mirrors and seeing a very peculiar shaped thing which is flying behind him. Now, it overtook him and turned sidewards in the road, so both lanes were apparently totally blocked. Now, it was, it was flying when it did this, which is a, a mad manoeuvre. I mean, you could imagine like a helicopter swooping sidewards and coming to a, to a stop, except this wasn't a helicopter. It didn't make any noise. Um, the object slowed down to the point that Derenberger was forced to stop his car or he would hit it. So it was an abrupt manoeuvre. Um, as if this, odd, if this wasn't odd enough, things were about to get a lot stranger because once both vehicles were stopped, a door opened on, I suppose we'll call it a UFO. Is it a UFO? I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, Some sort uh, of flying it, craft. The thing is, that I think a lot of people misconstrue the meaning of UFO just to mean aliens. It doesn't. It's an, just an, an, an identified flying object. So this so is an identified... This, you don't know what it is. It's flying. There you go. UFO. Yeah, exactly. So this UFO, whatever it was, um, basically stopped the, both vehicles. And when it was in front of Derenberger's car, a door opened up and a man got out. A normal man. Apparently, he was a very... Gr- he's, they refer to him as the grinning man. So it was a normal looking dude. He was wearing a dark suit, and he calmly walked over to Derenberger's truck. And according to Woodrow, once this dude exited the UFO, the door closed behind him, and the craft took off and hovered 40 foot in the air above them as if it was waiting. So now we're in proper what-the-fuck territory. Yeah. We don't know what's going on here. So the dude, the dude walked right over to the side of his truck, and according to Woodrow, now get this, he telepathically asked him to roll down his window and told him that he meant him no harm and didn't want to scare him. 
When he finally reached the truck window, the entity introduced himself as cold. He said, I am cold. He didn't mean he was cold as in I'm not warm. Mm. He said that was his name. Apparently, cold spoke quietly. Woody sensed that he said that he could sense the words more than hear them, even though this weird bloke was actually saying them. Uh, apparently, he said, we, we, which is weird because there's only one of them, we mean you no harm. I come from a country less powerful than yours. And he asked for Woody's name. Cold then said, I sleep, I breathe, and I bleed as you do. And he also told him to report the encounter to the authorities. So he's, he's asking him to, to, to report this. Uh, the last thing he said to him before getting back into his craft was, it's been nice talking to you, Mr. Derenberger. We will see you again in time, which is a very, very strange thing to say. We, when there's one bloke, will see you again in time. And at this point, the UFO that was silently hovering above him lowered down to the ground, the door opened, allowing cold to enter the craft. The door then closed and it took off. Right. So now we have three events, two with the same type of entity and one dude called Cold, all in very close proximity to each other. And all the people involved were unaware of the encounters that had previously taken place. So what's going on? What do you what's what are you thinking now? What's your hunches? Is this some sort of mass hysteria? Is there a gas leak sending everyone mental or something? Mm, it's difficult to assume that just because it's all happening in one area that, um, you know, everyone's gone a bit crazy. It's very unlikely that, if, you know, <laughs> that there is more... D- if it was all accounts from one person or one group of people, I'd understand maybe trying to sort of say that they're a bit loopy or they've been on too much moonshine, you know. <laughs> but um, I think that... You know, these accounts uh, are being, well, they're, they're being sort of told completely separately from one another. Each don't know about the other until obviously having read about it, like, you know, days later. I mean, we're talking, what, when, how many years ago did this? Is it in the 60s? 66 to 67. Yeah, so this, you know, this wasn't a time where social media and all the, the good mod cons we have today so you can find out exactly what's happening in the world instantaneously. Yeah. This stuff didn't get told until days later and it happens in the you know and you had to hu- and you had to, re- and you had to read you had to be a news an avid newspaper reader to know about this thing well i suppose things. like you'd you get know, word so of mouth but at this point uh, this but yeah obviously this, these weird things would travel around just you know this small sort of town but you know what what i'm trying to say is that you know they're not they're not a group of people altogether they're they are very separate they don't know each has happened to the other and they're just inta- they're just re- recalling things that have happened to them in, in, as an individual. So I don't think that mass hysteria fits. Mass hysteria fits this. Well, the, the accounts are very similar. I mean, the fact that you know, you do wonder. You think, okay, are they? Is this entity a bad entity? If you believe in that, and is this, you know, smiling human-looking well, creature. We don't even know if that's it. If he is a real guy, is you know, is he human? Is he not? You know, he looks like a guy, sort of, but doesn't. And he's is he is he the antipode? Is he the good guy? Is he sort of well, following this bad entity around? You th- just don't know. There were other other weird people turning up in um in Point Pleasant at the time. Um, 
there was a guy apparently that turned up to a diner who had huge bulging eyes. Mm. Uh, His English was robotic and extremely basic. And a waitress, seen him sitting at the edge of the counter, gave him a uh, um, a menu. And according to her, he just simply stared at it. And she said, do you need a hand? And he said, food. And she said, what do you want? Food. And she said, okay, what about steak? Good. That's all he said, good. Mm. So she got the steak for him, gave him the knives and forks. And he, he, didn't, he didn't know. Apparently, he was looking around confused as as if to how how to how to eat it and mm. she thought what's going on here she said where are you from mate and he said not not from here she said but where and he said another world yeah this what kind the of, fuck you know this kind of reminds me of that uh you know that scene or the, you know that 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 alien in i don't know, I can't remember i think it may have been the second men in black film that they did and you know he was he was this you know, insect alien creature very much trying to squeeze himself into the skin of a man. Oh, that was cool, and, that was. You know, it sounds to me like it, <laughs> they are human, but they are not. They. Oh, well, you think it's human? No, that they that they look human. That they've they've sort of taken the form of a human, but then also don't look right. It's They're nuts, kind of it? bulging out at the seams a little bit. It's you know, it's I, not just, quite I, mean, right. I love this stuff because. It's like, it's, it's so, I mean, obviously you're listening, whoever's listening to this is listening to it because crazy stuff is, is fascinates you and interesting. It does for me, but, but this kind of stuff is nuts. Yeah. And it does, apparently it well, does occur. I, I mean, you know, people, people aren't, there's have to be a massive blooming get together of people to try and hoax something like and this. And why hoax it? Well, to get attention, but to get some news. But well, to, I mean, I doubt people would make money on it. So I mean, it's one of those why would why bother if you're not exactly you know, if it didn't really happen? Why bother? And also, if you can hoax it, I'd like to see the equipment that you use to fly without flapping wings and flying a hundred mile an hour well, by that, the side of a road with glowing I mean, eyes. You know, That's a hell of a piece peop- of equipment. The people that would say that this isn't real would sort of argue that that's not real and that's only an account of one person telling them that so oh there's more yes of course there's more but you know it's it's not that they would have hoaxed that they're just recalling uh, that yes and they may be recalling it wrong um throughout this the 13 month period that this was going on there was a reporter called john keel and he was there practically the whole time he interviewed people and experienced many odd things himself i think it was because he was focusing a lot of his attention on it and really get into the bottom of what he could. In this, in, this is the is he a journalist? Uh, he's like an investigator. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he in- interviewed a lot, a lot of people. Um, he even wrote a book called. Um, well, the book's actually called The Mothman Prophecies, which was turned into into a film, yeah. and it, he's got a lot of really, really good information. Um, he also looked for patterns that were emerging, and he didn't tell anybody what. He, obviously, word of mouth was getting out because a lot of mental shit was going on. But when he interviewed people, he interviewed them in depth, and he didn't relay the information that he gleaned from them to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So the subtle details of each individual encounter were only known to him. So he was able to start to see patterns. Yeah. And this is why he, he started to get into this whole sort of event in, in a lot of detail. Um, whilst he was at Point Pleasant, Keel. 
received many, many strange phone calls from a man who identified himself as Indrid Cold. Mr. Cold, is this the same cold that Derenberger saw on the on the road? Is he described in the same way? He never met him. Oh. He only had phone calls. Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's like, it's, like it's, weird. it's weird because you can never, there's no, nothing to, to, to prove it. Well, I'm not no. saying that people are hiding information. It's like, if this is true, if this has actually happened as, as it's been recounted, whatever this thing or event was, it did everything it could to, to not be proven. And in terms of the prophecies element of it, was it Indrid Cold who was prophesizing? Yes. Not not this winged figure. Uh, well, it might be. It might because be the it, same it, thing. It could be that. I don't think they are. I don't think they're the same They might thing. be part and parcel of the same thing. I do personally think that the, the winged figure could just be something that, you know, has something to do with death, is around death, and the injured cold is really what, or really the individual... Who's helping? Who is helping? Who's possibly. trying to prophesize? Oh, so you're saying things. that the Mothman could have turned up, because and and, and uh, injured Cold was there to go. There's this fucking mad thing flying about. Yeah, it's going to fuck you up. You want to watch it? You need to watch yourself. But he yeah. didn't do a good job of t- of. of ex- I mean, it was so cri- it's so cryptic. It's cryptic. It doesn't make any sense. It might be cryptic because that's the only way they will. That might be the way they communicate. They communicate and they know how to communicate. And d- I mean, in terms of the conversations had with what was the name of the guy that John Keel John Keel yeah it did was it always Indrid Cole calling him I remember no. from the film no was there was maybe, more maybe that he would get all these phone calls that he'd always be calling him no, it was wasn't the other way around that no no there was more there was more um Indrid Cole's calls according to Keel were really really cryptic and prophetic it he seemed to be this is when Keel started to think there was something up because it seemed to be warning of some sort of future event mm. um, sometimes he would receive calls at locations that he didn't tell anyone he was visiting the calls consisted of loud bleeping sounds like morse code other times he would hear howling and heavy breathing sounds and other sounds he couldn't identify or sounds that were like static interference. Mm. Um, he would often hear fast talking voices and other times he would get bizarre pranks from what sounded like actual people. So he's being fucked with. Oh, cat. <laughs> uh, sometimes these calls would follow him to where other people, when he went to other people's houses. So he'd turn up to someone's house, not, not knowing that nobody knew that he would go there and he'd get to someone's house and then the fucking, the phone would start going, Nuts, and it would be this weird, injured cold mm-hmm. character. So it knew his whereabouts almost before he did. Yeah. He also developed a code that he would tap. Now this is clever because he's trying to, he's trying to catch him out here. So Keel developed a code that he would tap to unknown callers. The code was something he just made up in his head. And on many, many times, the caller would respond in the correct code, even though he's just made it up. Yeah. I mean, what's what's going on? Is he doing this? Is he unintentionally causing this? Is he doing it? Maybe. I mean, not. I don't mean faking it. Is he he's somehow influencing things around him? Yeah, I mean, in terms of from what my memory of the film is that doesn't this Keel character end up in the in the town of Point Pleasant without actually meaning to, or uh, is that just part of the film to no, make it more film like? It's part of the film. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. 
Uh, well, a lot of things happened to him. Keel claimed... So this guy's just... He's just like... He's hearing about these stories and starting to investigate. Well, yeah, he's he's trying to get to the bottom of it because yeah. he's, he knows that something... I mean, it's happened to people that he knows personally. So he he knows that there's something really... What happened to people he knows personally that they've seen Indrid Cold or seen... No, that's seen the Mothman. The Mothman, because, yeah, the film does say that his wife so- sees it. Yeah, well, he he knows people personally that, like, saw the Mothman, uh, had weird phone calls... Um, so, so he knew there was something going on because people people wouldn't lie to him, and and obviously he's experiencing odd things himself. Uh, one one instance, Keel claimed that um, he was leaving Point Pleasant to travel back home. I think he lived in New York. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. Whatever. He but lived, I think he lived. I'm pretty sure. Like I say, I'm sure only from watching the film that he was a journalist. Anyway, he was. Yeah, he was. And he worked. And he was going somewhere. I mean, that again. This and he just sort of ended up Back thousands of miles where from where he should have been no, well, without having travelled that long. Well, know, this so. this this is freaky. Anyway, he, he was leaving Point Pleasant to travel back at home. It was late at night, um, and he uh, basically thought, "Fuck it, it's a long journey. I can't be asked. I'm just going to call into a random hotel." Mm-hmm. So, so he just kept driving, and the first hotel he came to, he'd only just thought about stopping. He hadn't planned this. It was just like, uh, let's just stop. Pulled into a hotel, checked in, and the um, the receptionist said, what's your name? He said, Mr. Keel. And she said, oh, we've oh, got a load of messages in your uh, room for you on your answer phone. He was like, that's impossible. I've literally just decided one minute ago to stay. Yeah, yeah. He said, no, no, there's loads of messages. When? Oh, a couple of days ago. Went into the room, turned on the answer phone, and it's all these mad, garbled, weird, high-pitched, high-pitched screamy sounds, messages yeah. coming through. How is that possible? Well... Again, this, you know, I feel this non, this character, you know, cold character probably doesn't experience time in a linear way. So he knows where Keel is going to be before he knows it. Before even Keel, before he's before even, he's even before he's chose decided. to make that decision. Because he's seen, he's seen him do it in every format, in every sh- way, shape, or form before. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. There is we, no. We as humans can only really ever experience time as a linear thing we can't fathom it as a non-linear thing that you can move back and forth in and out back you know around and around so maybe these things can yeah maybe these if if it is an entity that isn't of this world which sounds like to me if come from another place if it's real if it's real could all be bollocks it could all be well of course these things all these things could be bollocks but this this if you think about these kinds of stories ghost stories and poltergeists and and men in black and all those things that you know, I know you've already previously talked about on on these podcasts. They could all be bollocks. They could all be well, an utter shite. Yeah, but, but th- that, that, this next bit, I mean, it could all be bollocks. But by now, it, shit was really, really ramping up in uh, in Point Pleasant. Yeah. One weekend alone, they had the police had five hundred calls in forty eight hours That's from cool. people seeing like crazy winged, fucking weird flying machines with machines red eyes. Or it, well, yeah, yeah, flying machines as well. Oh, machines. Yeah, yeah, they, people were seeing everything, bats, they were, well, say bats, the Mothman, whatever the fuck that is. They were seeing uh, machines flying about in the sky. People had real up-close encounters with the Mothman. That, and if they stared at it, it gave them conjunctivitis. Oh, great. <laughs> and, and apparently, it's, a, it's, the same, it's a type of conjunctivitis you get if you stared at the light coming from a welding torch, because this was coming... So really bright light. Well... It's at the upper end of the visible spectrum. 
Right. That's what they determine from the people. Wow, you can get conjunctivitis from that. Apparently That's you can. It's a bit weird, isn't it? From staring at <laughs> a seven-foot-tall thing with no head with glowing red hypnotic eyes that gives you conjunctivitis. Or, or for the Americans out there, pink eye. Pink eye. What's, <laughs> is that what it's called? That's what it's called, yeah. Doesn't your eye go red, though? Well, yeah, but they call it pink eye, don't they? Same thing. Well... People were reporting, and these, I mean, they're, like I say, 500 in one weekend. People reporting that it, it didn't have feathers. It was partially covered with hair, uh, skin-covered wings like a bat, mm. and it had a white mouth and would scream at deafening volumes mm. to people. Uh, there was a really up-close personal sighting on the 26th. Uh, a lady called Ruth Foster uh, was one of the very few witnesses who saw its face um, so the Mothman. The, the Mothman. Yeah, yeah, the Mothman. Yeah, yeah. If it's Indrid Cold, I'll... I'll make, no. There was, we, Woodrow Derenberger met Indrid Cold a few times, but I'm not going to... Because it could we'll just go on forever. forever. Yeah. So we'll just... So, we, yeah, this is the Mothman that we're describing. She said it was it was standing on her front lawn. I was about seven foot tall. Again, mm-hmm. d- it's exactly the same as it went. Big red eyes yep. that seemed to pop out of its head. They were bulging. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have a beak. And it had wings folded on its back. So just, did it have a mouth at all? She just didn't have a mouth. Just, 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 a, just eyes. Well, I've heard that it had a white, I've read that it had a white mouth, no beak. Right. But, but without having a head. It kind of like a joker mouth. Sort of, but it's kind of like, if you imagine, like if you were to cut your head off at your shoulders and, and then put your hands out and turn them into wings, mm. below your, your yeah. chest, where your, your heart would be, uh, you know, around that area is is where its Your face faces, is. Yeah. It's kind of for any you know studio studio Ghibli fans out there, a bit like No Face. He's sort of just a weird creature with his face. He's got no head. He's just got a face sort of on the top of his yeah body. <laughs> so it's not it's not the same when it, when people describe it as having like legs and it, it's not a, it it's human in shape, but it's not human at all. It doesn't it. It resembles us in shape, but not in form. I know that sounds like contradictory, but that's that's kind of what it is. I mean, there's pictures, obviously Google it. It's just like a black thing with weird... It's just odd. Uh, here's a question. All sightings happening at night or in the day? No, some in the day. Okay. Some in the day. Like the, well, this one, this one, I think this one's at night. I'm not sure, but we'll go into it. I'll read into it more. There was a fella called uh, Raymond uh, Wormsley, and um, he was with a, a lady called Marcella Bennett, who was with her baby called Tina. Uh, They were in a car on the way to visit their friends who lived in a bungalow amongst the igloos, which were close to the TNT plant. Now, the igloos were like dome-shaped buildings that they stored. Kind of like silos. Yeah, 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 basically. So they're out amongst that. Um, So they lived there. Now, this was a hot spot. This is where it was seen quite a lot. Uh, They were headed back to their car when a figure appeared behind the vehicle. Now, Mrs. Bennett said it seemed like it had been lying down behind the car because when she saw it it just rose vertically from nowhere as if it just sort of popped up out the floor which is quite disturbing if you think about that if you're carrying a kid it's like whoa where did you come from exactly she said it was very very large and gray with glowing red eyes again mrs bennett reported that she was so terrified she dropped her daughter onto the floor and covered her up but quickly got to her, her thoughts together and picked her up and ran back into the house Raymond phoned the police um, as the terrified friends heard the creature, whatever it was, walk onto the porch. And it apparently was walking around the house looking in the windows. Oh, I hate that. That's yeah. like my worst things, like fears. Peeking, <laughs> peeking around peeking the windows. Through your windows. And you could hear it on the roof, and it's oh. looking through. 
So they called the police, shitting themselves, because mm. they know this thing's around. They just They've happen to it. be seeing yeah, it yeah, now. Yeah. And uh, when the police arrived, they could see the police coming, and it disappeared. It just flew off. So you just like you can't, can't quite, you can't quite grasp it, it. You can't. Yeah. I mean, to like to actually have someone of, you know, authority. Well, no, police saw it, but there's oh, no. Okay. It was seen by thousands of people. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't really justify saying that they're all bit gone a bit mad. Unless, you know? unless it's. It, I mean, mass hallucination. I mean, it's, I mean, well, it, was someone pumping LSD into the town? Maybe. And they all got off the tits. Maybe it's like you say, it's all a government conspiracy. Well, they do. They have done shit like that before. Well, I mean, you know, it could be that they're just doing one crazy experiment and pumping a... But it's strange that, you know, each individual on those kinds of drugs do experience things differently. For them all to experience the same thing... Well, that happens sometimes as well. Depends on the type of drug, I think. Yeah. I I can't say that if, you know, if you were to take LSD and then I did, would our experience would be in any way the, sh- the same. I, I think it would be radically different. Be, yeah, because our minds work differently. So, you know, I might see a l- lot more colourful stuff. You might see a lot more kind of robotic you see stuff. Mo- you might see a mothman. You might see a mothman. I might see injured gold, you know. I do feel <laughs> like they're, the sa- they're different things. I don't feel like... They might be connected. Yeah, they are. Well, I'd find it very unlikely that um, that, that injured cold would turn up in a UFO and there's a seven-foot-tall man moth I, thing flying around and then not being connected. I feel like, I do, I don't know why, but I do have a strong feeling that this, that, that Indrid Cold is sort of like, you know, chasing this thing, it maybe. Could, well, yeah. It's like trying to warn people. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. I, I don't know what it is, but it, it or, might all be the same. That they might be, it might be the same thing, taking different forms. It could be. We don't know what we're dealing with, clearly. No. So, I mean, it's just speculation. We never, we never will. Well, we might do. You just might yeah. not know at the moment. But the research that John Keel was doing at this time, because like I said, he was interviewing people and um, keeping the subtle details of, of all the interviews he did secret. And he wasn't putting them out in the press as to not pollute what was actually going on. Because, you know, if he was getting odd patterns and he started to t- just make that publicly known, then it just sort of destroys any validity because everyone can start claiming that they're seeing these these odd events and these odd patterns. So he he kept this quiet, um, and it became evident that the Mothman was seen mostly by women during their menstrual period. And are you laughing? Okay. No, well, hear it out, man. And and another factor was the fact that the creature most frequently buzzed car buzzed cars that were parked in. You know, laybys and lovers' lanes with with people in there canoodling. Mm. I mean, if you remember the the kids before, that's what they were doing. They were being naughty, young. Not teenagers. really. They were just doing what they do. It it seemed to blood seemed to be an attractant. Um, oh, I see. Right. Yeah, yeah. It seemed. Well, uh, hang on. You know, canoodling. What's that got to do? With well, blood? no, it's not. But I mean, well, it might do. Maybe it's just a heightened sense of because you know women who are menstruating are in a heightened sense of. Um, what's the word? It's like I don't hormonally, know. They're, you know, sort of feelings. Same with canoodling. Maybe it's that. It's Maybe you're more susceptible to seeing it. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. Well, in March 1967, there was a, a, a... I mean, this one is a really strange UFO. I mean, you could call it attack. Obviously, in Point Pleasant, again, we've not moved that. This is all in the same area. Uh, on March the 5th, there was a Red Cross blood vehicle 
Travelling along Route 2, I've got no idea where Route 2 is. Somewhere near Point Pleasant. But, well, it, apparently it runs uh, parallel with the Ohio River. Um, there was a geezer in board called Scherzer, and he was 21 years old, and there was a young nurse with him. They'd been out all day collecting human blood for transfers and uh, hospital use and research or whatever. And they were heading back to Huntington, West Virginia, with a van filled with fresh blood. As they moved along, uh, they said it was a particularly deserted area of road. Uh, they saw a flash in the woods on a nearby hill, and a large white glow appeared. It slowly rose into the air and flew straight at the vehicle. The object effortlessly swooped over the van and flew alongside it. Scherzer rolled down his window and stuck his head out to get a better look. Well, that's pretty brave, that is. Well, yeah. But, yeah. So he said he was utterly freaked out mm. from what he saw. He said there was some kind of arm or extension being lowered by the luminous thing cruising only a few feet above the vehicle. They watched another arm reach around to the passenger side. It looked as if the flying object was trying to wrap a pincer-like device around the vehicle. Shirts have floored it and panicked, obviously, in a desperate attempt to get away, but the object kept pace with them easily. Apparently, it only left them when another vehicle was coming alongside the road, mm. so, it didn't, so it didn't want to be seen, and then it just flew off into the night. And you say glowing. Glowing. Very strange. But, but it was trying to get into the back of a bloodmobile. But it's Wh- very different from the previous accounts. Of that yeah. same sort of creature, but uh, not but not dark. Well, it's not. It doesn't. I don't think this is a creature because they said it had. It was some or sort of machine. extension, an arm. Yeah, some oh, sort okay. of. It was some sort of apparent craft mm. trying to. Maybe it's injured. Could be injured. Dirty bastard it's trying to rob bastard. blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. Shit. I don't know what's going on. It's I, I, very strange. It is I hard. Mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what they could possibly what what it was, whatever it was, could possibly want. It seems like there's more. You know, we we aren't here to hurt you. There's other other beings see, being seen around other than this one particular. Well, it might be the same thing. It might all be the same thing. We might it might just look different to us. I don't know. Mm. Why do we assume that it's a, it's it's different? It might it, it might it, not the be. The whole we. You know, references to we. Yeah, we. Oh, yeah, we that's a good point, yeah. We aren't here to hurt you. Makes me think it's more than... Do you reckon the Mothman might have been Indrid Cold's like, pet budgie? Maybe, and he just yeah. got out. He's like, oh, damn, I've let... I've let and it know, feeds on blood, but I've it won't kill people. So Indrid's tweety out, I need to go in there. <laughs> it's like a mad <laughs> interdimensional him. parrot that gives you yeah. a conjunctivitis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could be. You don't know. <laughs> Why not? We're talking yeah, about a mental subject. You might as well. Conjunctivitis is, is pretty gross. Right. Don't look at it too long. You get conjunctivitis. That's well, like the worst thing that could happen to you is you get pink eye. <laughs> well, see, it didn't hurt anyone. It just no. freaked them out. And it, this, this sort of reference to being having an overly large feeling of fear when looking at it, not even knowing why you're that frightened when you look at it. Well, there was, um, there was one instance uh, John Keel said that when he was going out to the TNT plant, he went through what he called a zone of fear. Uh, and he, he, he'd drive his car and for no reason at all would be utterly shitting himself when he'd stop his car and back out, and that feeling would go, and then he'd drive forward, and it would come again. Mm. And he he even got out of the car and walked into it, and he 
He said he had to really, really dig deep it's for courage and walk through it. And then he got to the other side of, well, he just kept walking and the fear faded. But when he backed through it again to get to his vehicle, it came back. Maybe it's like a, it's a cloak, cloak of trying, you know, shield of some description to deter, like a deterrent yeah, to, people, to people they don't want to come with. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like they... They don't want people to see them because thousands well, of people. Yeah, literally thousands, thousands. So of it's people. not like they're trying to hide. So it's weird, sort of little veil of kind of fear that you well, have to walk through in order it's to like get. It's like a byproduct of something, maybe. Yeah. It's not like an intentional. Um, it's like a side effect. It's, it, they're not trying to scare you, but whatever it is, but they but shit you up. <laughs> but it's so maybe it's so otherworldly that it just does. Well, we we were saying before that. Keel was getting sort of prophetic phone calls and um, he was getting wind of future events from uh, from Mr. Indrid Cold. Um, apparently, uh, this is how he was getting the information. Indrid Cold, along with another, uh, I mean, I don't even, another entity, another phone caller called uh, Apola, um, they were calling Keel on a regular basis um, and began... Keel claims, prophesizing the assassination of Pope Paul. This prediction was aimed at the 26th of July and was to take somewhere, take place somewhere in the Middle East. Apparently, this is what Injured Cold was saying. There was also supposed to be an earthquake preceding the event and a worldwide blackout followed by the assassination. This is according to, to Apollo or Apollo, whatever his weird name was. Um, after the prediction... Uh, it was suddenly announced that the Vatican, by the Vatican, that the Pope was scheduled to make an appearance in the Middle East during this time frame. Not only this, but a violent earthquake did, in fact, hit Turkey, killing approximately 1,000 people on the 22nd of July, putting things right on schedule. Every part of this prediction, according to Keel, that he was given the information from a weird bloke called Indrich Cole was actually sort of taking shape. Keel took these predictions extremely seriously and began preparing for the worse. Uh, but to his surprise, on the 26th of July, it came and it went without the assassination or a blackout. This turned out to be an important lesson for him. Incidentally, there was a failed assassination attempt on the Pope several years later that matched the description in the original prediction only the date was wrong. The, the assassination did, in fact, occur in the Far East, not the Middle East. Mm. This is typical of these predictions, Keel discovered. They're, they're like so close, but mm. nothing, nothing solid enough for you to go, ha-ha, there we go, we have evidence. It mm. sort of leads you down a path and then, and then the shoots path, off. Yeah. Oftentimes, he would um, sort of, I don't know... The, the, the messages were becoming very, very quick, cryptic um, and make sort of no sense at all. And other times they'd be accurate, but be off by a factor of maybe years or months. Most of these predictions were merely hints and rarely was there enough information to be given, um, you know, anything to be have action to be taken. You couldn't build a case against stopping what these predictions were because they were just really, really wispy mm. and nothing there. But it was enough to rattle him. Um, and also, it's difficult to convince people that you know a future event. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to say, geezer called Indrid Cold and the Mothman is telling you through phone call, you know, bleeps and Morse yeah. code. People aren't going to believe it. 
mean, um, how was he able to interpret these prophecies if it was all in gobbledygook? It wasn't in gobbledygook. It, it, it was. It was in gobbledygook, but it was enough to... It was like breadcrumbs. Yeah, giving him clues. Yeah. Mm. Well, Keel was told through APOL that there would be a major disaster on the Ohio River during this time frame. Um, Keel suspected that it would have something to do with a chemical plant that was close to Point Pleasant. So he was given information by whatever this what thing was over the phone. Some shit's going to go down on the Ohio River. And, but, but, but he wouldn't tell him exactly what. Yeah. Um, Keel wrote to uh, a lady he worked with um, at a local newspaper to warn her of, a, of the prediction, saying, listen, something is definitely going to happen. I'm getting information from weird sources. Things are getting strange. It, it, it's, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. But don't, don't tell anyone because he didn't want it to get out. He was trying to keep it all, not, not get out in the sense of to not tell anyone, but he was trying to keep it low key to, to not dilute the information that was coming through to him. Um, and this lady, Mary uh, Hyo, actually told Keel at the time um, that she dreamt uh, shortly before he contacted her of of um, being in a really, really cold river with Christmas gifts floating around, and it really, really disturbed her. And she Obviously, she doesn't know, because this hasn't happened yet. The bridge hasn't gone down. But, but she was um, really uh, disturbed by this dream. And other Point Pleasant residents reported intense dreams all relating to this river, all relating to this river. People claimed they could feel that something was not right, um, so, with this weird entity telling Keel the river is is uh, probably the epicenter of some horrible event, uh, and people relating weird dreams, and obviously this lady called Mary saying that she uh, was in a cold river in her dream f- with Christmas presents floating around her. That's pretty. It's very prescriptive. Yeah, prescriptive, <laughs> descriptive. Um, that's a word. I'm sure it is. <laughs> well, on the on, at five forty-five on December the fifteenth, obviously we said it was from November the fifteenth to December the fifteenth. Keel was staying in his apartment with candles and flashlights lit, all glued to the television because he is expecting a blackout as it was mm. being prophesied to him. Um, the blackout didn't materialise. So he's watching the TV thinking, what the fuck is another near miss? Mm. Um, But whilst watching the TV, there was a a news bulletin that cut through um, to bring a special news report, which basically said that a a bridge laden with rush hour traffic had collapsed on the Ohio River at Point Pleasant, um, killing, well, you know, at the time no one knew, but we know now 46 people. So that happened and he knew, he knew. He knew he knew something. He knew something was going on, but didn't know what it was. You know, he hadn't quite put all the pieces together to come to a conclusion of the exact. He couldn't. It was just too wispy. It's nothing to grab hold of. It's not like oh yeah, the bridge is going to go down. Yeah, watch it. There's something's going to happen somewhere around the Ohio River. I mean, that could be any multitude of things, couldn't it? Well, it could be. But so, do you think that this thing is because there's. there's more to this now in, in sort of in modern day events, which we'll go to. It seems as if this might be a omen of bad events to come. Yeah, I mean, he's not. If you look at it, he's not. He's not giving him enough information to try and. Yeah, why bother? Why bother? Yeah, he's not giving him enough information to actually do anything about 
helping, stopping the event from going on, saying, well, you know, the Ohio River uh, bridge near Point Pleasant Silver is bridge. pretty bad condition. It's going to collapse because it's got too much traffic on it and it's going to kill a load of people who've just gone Christmas shopping. You know, it's... It's wispy. It's wispy, and it's not. It's not enough to help in any way or form stop or help or sh- shape reshape the future. To f- so it didn't. It's it enough to happen. piss you off because you're getting information, like, but yeah, you great. can't do anything about it. Thanks for that. that yeah, it's really, like what it's I know really something bad's gonna happen, but where that and was when? Really helpful. But it's really interesting because there's been uh, modern day encounters. Uh, like this Chernobyl incident, for instance, um, there were some scientists working at the nu- nuclear power plant um, U- Chernobyl in Ukraine. They claimed to, s- to have an encounter with a huge winged creature, seven foot tall, with glowing red eyes on its chest, they said. Yeah. I don't know if it means it ha- didn't have a head. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, They said it was on yeah, its it's chest. It's similar, isn't it? Um, it? Oh, no, no. Apparently, it didn't have a head either. Didn't and it had massive either. wings and the body of a man which is quite descriptive there. Um, the yeah, sight- no one's really been specific about the body yeah. before, have they? Well, the sighting, start, this sighting started at the, f- at the 5th of April 1985. Many people who encountered the creature stopped working at the, uh, at the plant and reported nightmares yeah. of horrible events. That's why they, they just didn't want to work there anymore. A year later... Chernobyl. Yeah, <laughs> the fucking thing melted down. Yeah, it seems... I mean, is that the only... Uh, no, is there there's lots? more. Yeah, yeah. The ger- there was an incident in Germany on the 10th of uh, September 1978. It was a group of miners. Um, they basically were going to work, trying to get into the entrance of the, of, the, of the mining shaft, and they came face-to-face with a seemingly, this is what they say, headless creature with glowing red eyes on its chest, and it was blocking the entrance to the mine. At first, they thought it was a man in a trench coat, what? With red eyes on his chest. Anyway, <laughs> they thought it was a man in a trench coat, but they realised that it wasn't a coat and it was, in fact, folded wings on its back. Um, the men remained close to the entrance, stunned and stared at the creature until it let out a deafening scream that sent the miners running away. It, as they got closer, it basically just went, bah, yeah. and just fuck yeah. off. Um, about an hour later, the men felt a massive rumble under the ground and the entire mine collapsed and See, if, now if that wasn't there yeah. they would have been in the mine and would be dead so that's that's a case of where actually this creature has helped well that's what it might have been doing something you know that actually these people could very well have died if he hadn't have scared them off well it, it might have been trying that at point pleasant but i don't I mean, know yeah it just at point pleasant it seems you know, the, the sightings happen a very long time before. So it's like, just, just, just tell you what, just, just show up at the, entrance, at the entrance of each bloody side well, of that bridge and no one would want to drive on there. It was, um, it, it was seen at Fukushima, the, the, uh, the power plant that, that got... Close, y- that close? Uh, that long, because that wasn't that long ago, what? No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, right, right before it. Apparently there's something before the tsunami, they saw a huge, what they thought was a bird... Uh, with, with glowing red eyes on it, you know, the drill by now. And it was, took off and was flying around the reactors that were to f- actually it's fail. Failed, yeah. I mean, has, what about Indrid Cold? Is he... Cold? Has, um, has he been accounted by anyone else other than... Well, there was weird... Neil? I mean, like, like I said, there was lots of strange people around, but people... there was. But, but is Indrid Cold more specific to Point Pleasant? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well... His name is, but that doesn't necessarily mean... It's true. He could change his name. He could change his name. I mean, is he like a man in black? He's a man in black or whatever you want to call him. Could be, yeah. Intergalactic. 
and 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 more I'm, I'm quite I'm quite I mean obviously the Fukushima one was um uh, uh quite a recent one but one of the ones which is really I mean I don't I don't know how to take it but 911 it was seen flying around the streets of New York on September the 11th and there are photos of it on the oh, internet Oh really Yep Oh dear so it seems like he's going to turn up at mass. He turns up at... He's timing shit, man. I mean, how poten- potentially how many people would have died in that mine? A lot? Uh, it doesn't say. It's just a group it's of miners, so I don't know, 20, 30. So it seems like... I suppose, I mean, 9-11, that's a lot. You know, Point Pleasant, how many? 40? That's 46. Not, you know, that's nothing compared to 9-11, but it doesn't seem to matter. But this is a death of a, a group or, a, you know, of people. But then how... Have, how many times has he been seen and not accounted for in places where people don't have the well, facility the to account it? M- that easily, most people you know? don't report things like this. Yeah, because they think, "Oh, I didn't. Did I see it? Did I not? I can't. Uh, I was a bit scared." Well, you'd think you were nuts, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Would you? Just because you see something doesn't make you nuts. No, it doesn't. But you might think. But then you people think, "Oh, do I tell everybody that?" Because that makes me sound nuts. That's where you would think about how being nuts. I think seeing it would just be an experience that you well, it's real then. can't, yeah, that makes it real. You know, because like a lot of these things, I can't know this is ever, could ever be true and, until I experience it myself. Well, it's like, so, okay, what do you, what, I mean, what do you think this is? I, I can't, I, I can't, honestly, I can't it's honestly weird, decide what it could be, whether it, if it's otherworldly beings you know, and what do you mean, otherworldly? Something from another planet? That's yeah, that's not of this planet. Like an alien? That's a theory. Or, you think it might be an alien? Or, yeah, or an interdimensional creature who lives on another dimensional plane. I just, don't, I just don't or, know. Or a figment of the imagination. Or a figment of the imagination. But for, for so many people to to witness but, it, uh, and around the world, to for, for so many people to describe the same kind of creature: red eyes on its chest, winged, grey. Same it's height. all same height every Conjunctivitis time. Conjunctivitis when you look at it. Conjunctivitis if you look at it for too long kind of thing. It's like, well, un- that's un- very like unlikely. An, an, an normal amount of terror for no reason. So I feel maybe interdimensional more than Well, we've got, a, we got, a, uh, we've got a conclusion there, interdimensional. So that's what you're it's going with. It's an interdimensional creature that there is, know, there is a up, pops up when they know, that doesn't experience time as a linear thing and pops up when they know things, well, there bad is, um, things that kill a lot of people are going to happen. But but why not stop the nu- nuclear bomb going off? And it doesn't even stop it. It, it just sort of stop. flaps about, well, scares that, people shitless and distracts them thing. from... I mean, didn't do, what did it do? Didn't do f- well, it stood in the entrance and screamed the, at them. Uh, yes, well, that's the only account you've told me that he actually stopped people from being killed. Well, maybe maybe this or Point Pleasant thing, was it, he, he was trying to... Whatever it was, was trying to stop, but just didn't do a very good job. But then, okay, maybe it's intentions... I didn't do a good job at 9 11. not doing a very good job, yeah, because 9 11, Fukushima. I mean, uh, how do you stop a tsunami, really? You don't. No, it was. I think it was trying to warn them about the the fact that something was coming. And I mean, what can you do? You can't can't turn a reactor off. You can't, well, and you can't stop an earthquake either. That's pretty out of control. Well, there are. That's that's beyond everybody's control. There are theories that this thing was. There's a bird called a sandhill crane, and it's, uh, it's a heron. Um, so it's it's quite a tall bird, and yeah. it does have red 
eye markings. Now, that doesn't mean oh. it's got red yeah, glowing eyes. And it also can't fly 100 mile an hour without flapping its wings. And, and it doesn't it, give you conjunctivitis. I do know that herons have very long, thin necks and heads. People would be accounting that if it was there. They said, I mean, the reports have got muscular legs. A heron's yeah. legs are like fucking Twigs. chopsticks. <laughs> There's nothing muscular about a heron. No. So, and no, it certainly ain't seven foot tall. Yeah, I mean, come on. Imagine a seven foot tall heron. Jesus. With glowing eyes, it gives you conjunctivitis. I mean, that alone would mean something weird's going on. I think, for me, there's too much, too many... Too many witnesses. Too many things, too, too many, many accounts. accounts. To say that it's it's complete bollocks. But then also, it sounds what, complete. what could it be? It, it sounds does sound like bollocks. complete bollocks, but what could it possibly be? Blee, blee, that's what I like about stories like this because they're know. just they're they're well, just mental. Yeah, they're, they're mental. Really think. It's like, oh, let's really think about this. So that is the Mothman. Yeah, kids, crazy. That's the Mothman. Uh, there's shit loads more to that than we could possibly even attempt to cover. Well, yeah, I think it's one of those we've co- we've sort of set pe- to... set people off on a path if they're interested about well, looking more into it. That's read what that, to... read that book. Yeah. I haven't, but. It's the apparently it's apparently really good. So John Keel's Mothman prophecy. Yeah, that's go. really really cool. John Keel, if you're still alive, dude. He's not plugged. dead as fuck. Well, I've just plugged your book for you. There you go. Dead as fuck. So um, yeah, that's that's the Mothman. Uh, it's um, it's a peculiar one, um, an odd one. But have a look for yourself. It's not easy to dismiss. Or it, I mean, it could be easy to dismiss. You could say it's all bollocks. Yep. But it's not easy to dismiss when there's so many, so many. people reporting it. Yeah. Um, but we've been rattling on that for quite a while, so we'll wrap this up. So if you want to get in contact with us or you want some free stickers, it, you can find us on uh, Facebook at Robots Rise Podcast. It'd be nice to to hear from you. And uh, also that person who is in Australia that downloads, you still haven't said hello. <laughs> say hello. And if you're in Afghanistan, say hello. Say hello. Or Portugal or France or wherever you are, say hello. Give us a holler. Give us a holler and uh, you can contact us at, uh, what's our email address now? Robotsforeyes at gmail.com. That's a bit of a guess. This is what happens when you haven't got Rob to fill you in. (laughs) So um, that may be wrong. (laughs) It may be right. Potluck. I'll let you know next time. But thanks for listening. I don't know. Drop us a review on iTunes. It helps make the podcast more discoverable. So, um, yeah, man. Cheers for listening and we'll catch you next time. Maybe with Hannah. Maybe not. Maybe with someone else. Maybe with Rob. Who knows? Maybe with the Mothman. Yeah, maybe the Mothman will come and say hello. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) See you later, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye.